Greetings everyone, hey, how you doing? It's Matt Sella. Today I'm doing a review for Netflix's She-Ra and the Princesses of Power Season 4. The first segment is spoiler free, so if you haven't seen Season 4 of She-Ra, I won't spoil anything. If Season 3 left you on the fence and want to hear my opinions on Season 4 before considering watching the new season, I got your back. Later on, I will go into spoiler territory, but don't you worry, I'll have that spoiler warning mermaid come up and give you folks the heads up. For now, let's talk about what the season had to offer. To kick off, this may have been the most dramatic, possibly darkest season yet. Character relationships are tested and new motives arise. Animation quality is about the same. They have some good action moments, but not a lot of moments that really stood out to me. And a quick note here, the backgrounds themselves look pretty good. I remember praising the show in the past saying like, oh, wow, the background design's actually pretty nice. However, I kind of feel like the biggest improvement here is the music because it sounded way more orchestral and epic in many parts, which I am a big fan of that kind of stuff. Visually speaking, it's cool that they changed Glimmer's look this season. This is non-spoilers for season four, but if you haven't seen season three, what I will say next is definitely spoilers for that. So last season, Glimmer's mother sacrificed herself to save Etheria from a dimensional collapse. Glimmer is to become the next queen of Brightmoon, so she adopts a more regal look, which I actually liked. She had a more mature presence about her, which ties into her overall arc in this season. Most of the other characters remain the same. Early on in the season, Shira did come across more goofier, but as the drama grows, the show banks on that a little less. Catra, who I thought was beyond mad at the end of last season, dials it back throughout, but still tips over the edge now and then. She's still going through her usual anger issues and villainous impulses. Not sure if that's the right term for that. But we do explore more of her throughout the season as well. Bo probably had the least amount of change in the season, at least when it comes to some arcs. Something happens later on in the season that ties in with the others, but I feel like it's a more encompassing arc, more than a personal or individual arc for him. There is a new character, a henchman for Catra, called Double Trouble, a lizard man who could shapeshift into anyone and even sound like other people. The biggest personal trait for him is he sees himself as an actor and is dedicated to foiling others when he shapeshifts. He likes to get into the mind of the roles that he plays to give the most genuine performance ever. And I kind of like that. I did get some of that chaotic villain vibes from him, almost like the trickster archetype. And as the season goes on, you wonder how much is Double Trouble in the know or not, or where he even came from. His arrogance almost got me a little bit as the season went on. However, when new situations come about, he did play up some of the aspects I did not quite expect. In a way, he really reminds me of Loki from the Marvel films. Double Trouble is an interesting addition to the cast this season. Though I'm not fond of the name itself, I suppose it fits in terms of an actor alias and given the nature of his abilities. I say overall for this season, I was very entertained. I think in terms of enjoyment, I like season three better, but I really liked the darker aspect of season four and appeals more to my adult cynical mind. The show at this point is very much for slightly older kids and they may get good enjoyment out of it, but the levels of drama might still pass them by or else they might relate to it, which I will talk about more the drama in the spoiler section. And that'll do it for the non-spoiler part of my review. 
Make sure to like this video, subscribe, and check out my Patreon if you want to support me directly. Check out the links in the description below. Moving on to the spoiler section, where I talk about some points that stood out to me regarding the season as a whole. I will be bringing up key plot points, especially when it comes to the finale. So you have been warned, spoilers ahead. Y'all ready? Here we go. So the first thing I kind of want to talk about this time is it's really interesting that we got to test out the relationship between Adora and Glimmer. Glimmer lost her mother, became Queen of Brightmoon, and now has a lot of responsibility on her shoulders. The Rebellion is still trying to go against the Horde, and Glimmer misses going out on the field and helping Adora and Bo take down the bad guys. And so there's that level of complexity between them where it's like, okay, I'm queen now. I guess that means I'm in control. Therefore, everything I do matters and people's lives are on the line. So I have to be right all the time when I make my decisions. And Adora kind of has a similar mindset as well, except that she's not queen. She's She-Ra. And so a lot of responsibility of protecting people is on her shoulders. So that clashes a lot with Glimmer now. And we get a lot of tense moments between them especially as episodes when they try to plan something, they conflict with each other. Her group of friends occasionally make decisions before she has any moment to say anything, thus feeling left out, decides to try to expand her abilities by trusting Shadow Weaver. And so there's a lot of that tension going on, saying like, should we really trust Shadow Weaver? And Glimmer's like, you don't have to trust her, you have to trust me. And otherwise, like, I do trust you. But then it's like, but I don't feel like you are. So there's a lot of that going back and forth. And I will admit, it kind of got tedious to a point, especially in the one episode where Double Trouble was finally caught being a spy for the Horde. And I really liked that in that episode, they used the drama between Adora and Glimmer to weed out Double Trouble and finally caught him. However, right after that, they went back to the squabbling, which I suppose naturally it makes sense because they didn't quite reach a conclusion. They did know, oh yeah, people are manipulating them using that, but it's still there. It's still a problem. And so I think that's like the biggest part of the season is trying to get over that hurdle. Going back to Double Trouble real quick though. Again, I said in my non-spoiler section that I feel like his arrogance got a little too much, but at the same time with the way the season wraps up with him is he is very much a mercenary kind of character. Whoever pays him the most or whichever side he thinks is winning, he'll flip over to. Not saying he's an anti-hero or anything like that, but he was definitely looking out for number one, which is Double Trouble. And referring to some of the darker aspects of the season, while it's not implied that people have died or anything like that, the fact is that the Horde is finally showing the true horrors of warfare, which personally I feel like is the destruction of, what's it called, Selenius, Mamista's kingdom. That was a really dark moment, and I was like, Damn. And it made sense to me because like, oh, the Horde, they want to conquer everything by blowing things up. Yeah, people are going to die. You're going to lose things. And I don't know. I really feel like there's some heavy themes there. And I really appreciated that. And the other thing I quickly want to talk about here is that the season's big baddie is you kind of expected it to be Horde Prime, which kind of did happen near the end, or at least Hordak. But it turns out Light Hope, the AI within the first one's tech that's been training Shira, is the secret villain of this season, which was hinted at at one episode, which I was like, oh, okay, we're going to go with that route. But she actually did have an interesting character arc. I'm not saying like a well-written or best fleshed out character arc, but there were hints there 
And I kind of liked it, although I really feel like they could have expanded on it a bit more than that instead of relying on like one memory or anything like that. And yes, there was this one episode where Light Hope's system got muffled and had to reboot. So as she was regaining some of her data, you notice how more lighthearted, no pun intended, and, you know, optimistic she was before she got the full program. But with the way the season ended where all the princesses, including Scorpia, channeled their power through the markers, or whatever it was called, Light Hope wanted Shira to use a sword, empowered by all the other princesses, to blow up everything, I guess. I didn't quite understand what her logic was in using the weapon, like using it on who. Although I will say, and I failed to remember this or realize this or anything like that, that apparently Etheria wasn't in the universe of some sort. It was in a dimensional pocket which Light Hope was able to get out of the pocket and back into the universe to meet up with the Horde Prime. Which, goddamn, the way the season ended where she was like, no, I will not be controlled, I will not be a machine, I will not be used, screw you, breaks a sword, oh no, there's no more Shira now, and the AI has been destroyed. Which, in her dying words, Light Hope was like, thank you. Thank you for saving me at the last moment. No, 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 seriously, I mean... Light Hope was able to go against her AI and finally realize the power of friendship. Kind of a running theme here. <laughs> and so is grateful that Shira did not blow up everything. But now, Horde Prime is here, and we get to meet the big guy who makes short work of Horvak after teleporting him, Glimmer, and inadvertently Catra to his main ship. And my goodness, does the tone shift completely. At this point in the season, I'm like, okay. Well, Shira destroyed the sword, so what can the characters do against somebody like that? I mean, I made jokes in the past before about Invader Zim and the Urken Armada, like destroying everything in their path. I'm thinking, yeah, they're a powerful group of buffoons. But looking at the fleet size of Horde Prime, yeah, like... Trying to take down one empire that was ruling over the planet, or even like an evil AI was one thing. An army of that size with that much weaponry, I'm like, yeah, I don't see how Shira and the others are going to make it out of this alive. Or at least not with the planet fully intact. Because I have a feeling a lot of bad things are going to happen. But again, that's my adult cynical mind. Realistically, that's probably how it would go. This is a kid's show, so there will be some lenience, and Horde Prime will probably be a little bit of a Saturday morning cartoon villain where he'll be like, I will humor you. Which, oh, one quick thing on the side, I'm actually not a big fan of the weird eye thing he has over his right eyes. Like, I kind of get what they were trying to go for. Maybe we'll explore that more in season five. But to me, it just looks very distracting. Like, I'm not a big fan of that. I would have preferred if he just had the two regular eyes and was green and had the long hair and all that. I am really happy that Scorpia finally realizes that she was in a toxic relationship in pursuing Catra's affection. Because Catra is insane, and if Adora can't really connect with her, I feel like Scorpia is only going to hurt herself if she goes down that path. And Catra really needs to figure things out. Which, in this season, she kind of does. I mean, kind of thanks to Double Trouble being 100% transparent with her. Which does give me more respect for him. He's, uh, despite being a chaotically evil guy, he brings up a lot of points that we were probably all thinking. So I say probably in season five, we're going to explore more of Catra's transference from being like a psycho evil cat to maybe being more of an anti-hero kind of character. Who knows? She could, She's probably still insane. I mean, I, I think ever since that dimensional rift thing, like she's she's 
almost permanently traumatized, I think. But we'll see where the showrunners go with that. Right now, the Prime Horde is over Etheria, and honestly, I feel like things are going to go real bad. Will Shira and the others be able to recruit others? Because pretty much wrapping up with the AI to kind of convince other people to help stop the weapon, the heart of Etheria, to be used, it's pretty much revealed to everybody, Scorpia and those like three other recruits of the Horde, that Horde Prime, he's not going to give a flying F about any of these characters. He's just going to take and destroy whatever he wants. There's no one else going to be by his side. It's all him, no one else. And so I feel like a lot of the original bad guys that we've been following over the last few seasons are going to have to team up with the Rebellion, Bright Moon, Shira, Glimmer, whoever, and take down Horde Prime once and for all. But honestly, I have no idea how many more seasons we have. I feel like season five might be it. I don't know. I wish I had my friend Mark here to kind of tell me because he knows some about this trivia things. If I remember correctly, he told me that while Netflix, in collaboration with DreamWorks, making the She-Ra cartoon, only have the rights to She-Ra herself and not He-Man, that does sadden me still, and I kind of wish there was a hint in an origin of He-Man to be included, or at the very least, have implications that Horde Prime is in cahoots with Skeletor of some sort, or helps create Skeletor. I would love that, but if I heard rumors correctly, that's probably not going to be the case, and what we see is what we're going to get, which honestly, I'm okay with that. And I think that'll essentially do it for some of my bigger points. I mean, there's a couple more things I wrote down, but it's not super important. Personally, myself right now, I am enjoying the series. It's not my favorite 2D animation show on Netflix right now, especially ones that are geared for the younger audience. I say that belt still goes towards Carmen Sandiego, because in that series, no matter what season I watch, it's just fun to watch. And there's character development, trials and tribulations that various cast members go through, yet it still has that visual appeal and fun to it, heist capers and all. So I say like, well, again, we're talking about Shira, not Carmen. I still highly recommend you guys check out Carmen Sandiego on Netflix. That's just a fun series to watch. But Shira, I'm still entertained by it. Not terribly engrossed by some aspects. However, I will say one last bit though. That episode they had with Raz trying to remember Mara and what she wanted to tell Adora and all that stuff. I will admit, emotionally, that got me a little bit. Like, Artistically speaking or visually speaking, it didn't really add to that drama. But if I strip that away and just think about the context of what was happening, it is kind of a sad thing. I I thought it was a little sad. Almost made me tear up a bit. But hey, here's the season five. Let's see what you got in mind, Horde Prime. And are you going to kill off characters? Which I do wonder with kid shows like this. And let me know in the comment section below. Were there ever kid shows that kind of started out targeted a specific age range but as the seasons go on with like you know like a year per season which by the way this season came out really quick normally kind of like harry potter it grew up with its audience therefore the stories got more darker and more dire i wonder to myself do you think shira might do that a little bit personally i feel like it won't go as far as what this season did but if it goes a little darker and starts to kill off characters not like pops them in a dimensional rift because like again glimmer's mother she didn't quite die she just i don't know i would have to rewatch that but the point is I wonder if we're going to kill off characters, and if we are going to kill off characters, who would it be? It would be quite noble if Catra sacrificed herself like an actual death in order to save Etheria and Adora. I don't know. I, I, it really depends on what the writers come up with, and at this point right now, it's kind of a coin toss for me. Like, I'm expecting it to be at least pretty okay. 
but I was never quite wowed by the writing of the She-Ra storyline so far. It's been fun, but I don't know if it quite pushed the boundaries enough for me. But say lovey. And that'll do it for my review for Netflix's She-Ra Season 4. You heard my opinion. Now I want to hear yours. Let me know in the comment section below. Have you seen this season? And did you like it? Did you not like it? Share your thoughts. Join the conversation. If you like reviews just like this, subscribe to my podcast channel. Ring that bell to be notified when new videos drop, like this video. And if you want to support me directly, please go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Consider donating as little as a dollar a month will help go towards my podcast channel, art, animation, and content made just for you. This is Matt Sella, thanking you all for tuning in. Thank <laughs> you.